It is the 200 level episode 342. Mike Carpenter with the long-awaited return. We <laughs> yeah. were actually talking about this. Isaac Ambrose yeah. is back. Hi, Isaac. It's so great to be back. And we we figured out when it was. It was the Chattanooga game in March of 2022. Yes, 2022. 2023 was Arkansas. So yep. it was that fateful right. Friday night when yep. Coleman Hawkins saved the season for another 48 hours. And then you got a gig with yep. the DIA. So DIA, that kind of yeah. Yeah, no, so that, that took me out of the picture for a little over a year. Um, awesome experience. Now I've taken a different job elsewhere, not in sports. Um, but then on the side, I'm helping out Jeremy um, in Illini Inquirer, which has been awesome. Sweet. Um, doing some of their social media content stuff, which uh, I think if we're better at this year, like we've been in the past couple of years, should be a pretty easy job to make make up content and that sort of deal. Uh, would have been a lot more difficult a few years ago, I would say. Absolutely. I wonder how they did it in the doldrums of the John Gross and the Tim Beckman and then the Lovey Smith era. And, you know, we used to do the daily radio show mm-hmm. where we would find our way to three. I can't believe we did a three hour show for that long. Yeah. Especially Lon and Jeremy did every day. And then we did the split in two hour radio shows. It's hard enough in the summer when there's not Illinois sports, but even when there are, you can only complain so much before you start feeling like you're being redundant about it. So it's such a far cry that, you know, I told listeners a couple podcasts ago that October of 2022, last October, when Illinois went 5-0 and in football, yep. or 4-0, I guess, that month, was the most listened to month beyond the Illinois basketball run to the number one seed, the Big Ten title and all that. And I think that just speaks to, you know, you're going to see this too working for Jeremy. Like, it, when they are good, your job is not only that much more fun, but in, in a way consequential because you got that many more eyes and ears on it. 100%. And being at DIA and working in social media, it's it's slightly different, right? Because you're not, you're not trying to get more subscribers. You're not trying to reach the masses and the Illini fans. A lot of people just come to you for stuff. But a couple of the sports I worked with, right, they were very – low in the big 10 standings you know they weren't having great seasons and no matter what you do the the ratings the engagement yada yada it's all gonna be super low and then you could put out a picture of poop and but they just beat you know iowa on on new year's new year's day like the women's basketball team did and it's gonna blow up it's gonna explode so kind of like what you're was saying that, was that the tweet just a picture i think, of a I think turd it on was court. yeah i think it was well, I probably, wasn't there something that illinois basketball did or or football they tweeted and then they took it down when it was considered to be like unsportsmanlike, I think or it was twenty one. It was either the twenty one or, or the COVID year when uh, they tweeted at Nebraska. So we beat Nebraska, and That's they were it. like, "Hey, thanks for bringing football back," because they were like a big part yes, of bringing us back. Yes, that was it. It was the COVID yeah, year. So I remember like talking to a few people about that, and like, <laughs> yeah, we're just. I guess Illinois is not that type of school. Like you'll see a lot of like SEC schools do that, and, which like, I think is fun. Schools. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, we're just, you know, we got, I wouldn't say higher standards. I would just say. Well, I, I do think Illinois is in this unique position because as I was talking with Jeremy about this, it occurred to me mid-conversation, and I'm an alum, and uh, so there's this kind of like pride that goes beyond the town. I, I already was because I was a townie, mm-hmm. and I was into the sports, and then you're an alum, and it occurred to me that in my lifetime, and I'm 36 now, that there's never been this much of a feel-good aura, not just of your revenue sports 
in my lifetime because yeah. I was too young to remember the John Makovic and Lou Henson late mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s. So that was really good. But uh, but also the administration. So Josh Whitman, of course, yeah. I think we'd agree is there. there is a certain level of comfort knowing that he's the guy in charge. You know, he's not going to really screw anything up. I think he's proven that. Yeah, hundred percent. I think too the knowing that his background is because he was a lawyer or he has like a law he degree. Was a, or something okay, so important. a lawyer, law degree, lawyer, AD at Wash Wash U. Yes, in St. Louis, the D three school. So you know he's not going to make he's not going to make a snap decision. He's not going to do anything crazy like that. And um, yeah, technically, I guess he was my boss for like a year, but I never. Yeah, he always seemed to have his stuff together. I mean, whenever we'd have like big meetings or whatever, he's just such a just a prominent figure i guess presence there's an intangible presence 100 percent. he always says the right things um and i think you do have to give him a lot of credit um because i think a lot of athletic directors have screwed this up and a lot of commissioners northwestern right yeah that's an egregious case but yeah (laughs) and then commissioners right like the pac-12 commissioner how bad he's screwing up this conference realignment right now like josh has been such a i say josh like we're on a first name basis basis he's been uh just at the forefront, it seems like of NIL and of these other things that if we would have had, you know, like one of his predecessors, um, or excuse me, one of one of the eighties of the past, you know, we might still be in the rear view mirror of a lot of these other schools. But I think right now, and especially Illinois, like for the amount of success we've had just in the short little time compared to some of these other schools that were comparable with with NIL and yeah. things like that I would say a lot of that is thanks to Josh Whitman and thanks to you know some of the higher-ups that have been um progressive about NIL and that sort of thing and not straying away from it the gambling thing is a little bit unique to me and kind of seems like uh it doesn't really make sense but How, in his defense of that though because yeah. I would I like to bet on Illinois sports of course yeah because you think you have like an inside yeah I know yeah, I know yeah, more yeah. about them and I, I do really <laughs> right. feel as if last year had I been able to I'm not a good gambler I'm terrible at it I will put more in my account and try it again football season yeah but then you see what happens at Iowa and Iowa State yeah and you get to an extent now I don't necessarily think that Josh Whitman's insistence that Illinois law says you can't bet on Illinois. I, I don't know if that really would dissuade a college athlete at Illinois from gambling if they wanted to. However, it's at least, I think in his mind, it's the it's giving off the right appearance. You're definitely We're being make, proactive, you know. You're definitely making it harder for him. I mean, sure. think about, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of, like you just said, you'd bet on Illinois probably if, they, if you could here. I, every game. But you're not going to drive to Indiana and bet on them probably. No. Just like the students, the student athletes, it might, you know, persuade them to not, which they can't bet at all, I don't think, on anything. No, I don't think so. I think that's part of the deal. Uh, You know, in Illinois now, I think the number two gambling state in the nation behind New York. Well, we were one of the first ones, I think, to have, like, where you could bet on your phone. I know Indiana was, too. So, doing something in the Midwest, I guess. Yeah, it's Uh, fun, though. Do you gamble? Yeah. I used to a lot. Like, I say a lot. Like, I was super into, like the like listening to podcasts reading short articles like hey i'm gonna throw five bucks on like you know the yankees monmouth versus yeah right right. i got a friend who bets on all the obscure stuff and it's based on tips and he actually has a friend in vegas who is a professional poker player okay and every now and then his friend from vegas and and my buddy if he's listening he'll get a chuckle out of this but he will uh get you know tips from his friend hey this you know uh 
what what's the boxing not not boxing but UCF UFC UFC yeah geez. yeah yeah okay uh, <laughs> you know the fifth undercard of a UFC yeah, Saturday night thing hey yeah. put a thousand bucks I'm like this guy's a high roller yeah um, now I don't have I feel bad if I lose five dollars yeah. But I am excited to get back to it, though. And, you know, if we were able to, uh, when I was in Michigan, for example, visiting Kara's family, mm. two years ago, I put futures, a futures bet on Illinois to win the Big Ten Championship. Mm. The year that they actually did win the Big Ten Championship. Problem was, I did that the week before they ended up losing to, oh, what was it? The game before Kansas State, the, where we were just miserable watching Cincinnati. it. Cincinnati? Cincinnati yeah, and the bad. Marquette game Marquette, before that. Yeah. And I immediately took the bet off the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, that was 250 bucks or whatever just waiting for me there. Yeah, um, We're going to focus on Illinois football today. Awesome. And before we get too far into it, I'm going to hit the sponsors. Let's that's do okay. it. Yeah. Now, DP Doe, classic sponsor of the 200 level. They're entering, I think, what now? Their 17th year on campus because they were there in 2006 when I was there. Order online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. That's dpdoe.com. Also... State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Do you remember the domain name, Isaac? Brian is my guy. That's right. right yeah. Trevor's favorite person. Yeah, yeah. I need get him back on this. He's busy with the Super field busy. of 68 yeah. and Jeff Goodman, Jeff which is Goodman. pretty cool. Yeah. Also, we have Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 for all your HVAC needs. It's coming up in that time where you might need a furnace check. And we need to schedule ours coming up here in October or November before you know it. So Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, that's 217-841-4728. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC, mutual friend. One of your good friends, right? Luke, what's up? Yeah, Luke. And uh, these guys are tremendous with home additions, patios, decks. So what you can do is go to owenbuildersllc.com, get a gallery of the things they've already worked on. They work in Champaign-Urbana and the surrounding area. That is Owen Builders online at owenbuildersllc.com. And of course, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their partnership and appreciate you listening and ratings and reviews, all that jazz. Illinois football. We could talk Illinois basketball, but I figure we shelve it. We got, what, five, four months still? We got, to, we got, we got to a ways. Talk about it, yeah. One to ten scale, where are you on the excitement meter? I'll, I'll, I'll just give you my number now. Okay. You give me your number and, and the reasoning behind it. I'm, I'm just going to go a solid nine okay. without trying to be too hyperbolic. But I, I feel like I'm underrating some of the risk. Mm-hmm. or concerns with this team. So where are you? Yeah, I would say like 7.5, 7.5 or 8. Um, I'll start off with the lows or like why I would be a little bit pessimistic first. Um, obviously, the unknown of a lot of positions like defensive back, quarterback. I mean, we got lucky with Tommy DeVito, but Altmaier could be like any of the other transfers we've gotten in the past you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, so that's scary. I would say the schedule is is a is difficult at times um in but i remember at the beginning of the season last year thinking like well you know wyoming's got some studs or chattanooga's got a couple guys on nfl radar so i remember thinking before that chattanooga yeah. game and then you won 33 nothing right right your better and performances yeah i guess that's the other thing too is like last year a few games into the year um especially after the indiana game when they had those dominant performance performances like against virginia you knew that the defense was going to play well, so you had that to fall back on. Um, this year, it's not – I guess I got to see it a couple times maybe. We know the defensive front's going to be awesome. So those question marks and then the schedule like Kansas, I mean, that's not an easy game. Um, I do think – I feel a lot more confident confident about that now and considering how last year went than 
because I mean, all those games with Lovey, like those away, like S, like uh, South Florida, you know, those like away. Oh non- God, non- that was, team. That I was mean, a Friday night game. Yeah, if I recall, it was even miserable. Bielma's first year at Virginia, right? Like these random non-con opponents, and of course, you schedule this when Kansas. I don't think they won a game a few years ago. Same with Toledo. Game. Same with Toledo. They're gonna. They're projected <laughs> to win good. the MAC. Yeah. So I would say those things. Um, those things concern me. But then, on the flip side, the reason. I am, you know, giving it like a C plus B B minus, which might even be a little bit a little low. Um, I'm I'm excited because I think number one, it's really the staff and like the coaches and like what Bielma proved. And I was thinking about this today. Um, you know, the first year Bielma was here, we had those games that went south, and a lot of it felt like in game mistakes, right? Last year was more so like games just got away from you, the offense couldn't figure things out. Uh, your special teams was terrible, and it was less Brett Bielma maybe making it a mistake like he did at Purdue two years ago. Like Being he way did. too conservative right. at Stuff, the end of the Maryland game. Yeah, and I remember in in those games, and I think probably talking to you after and just being like, okay, Bielma's like, you know, he's uh, he clearly knows football, but like maybe he's out of touch with the college game, yada, stuff like that. So knowing, I had concerns like that too. Yeah, so knowing that Bielma's legit, knowing that you have, I think, Aaron Henry's – I mean, he he's at least been surrounded by great defense, right? It's not like you plucked him up off the street or from some random school. Uh, I think Lunny can only go up from here. Um, and I think he might have mentioned this with you, sort of. He's When you don't have a guy like Chase Brown, right, you're forced to go like so many different directions. And I think you see that a lot in the NFL, right? Like these teams, for instance, like the Tennessee Titans, they have Derrick Henry. And I know Chase and Derrick are completely different players, but the Titans are like, okay, we're going to feed him. We're going to feed him. We're going to feed him. over-reliance. Right, but then yeah. they might not throw the ball to guys like uh, A.J. Brown, who's now with, the, with Philadelphia, or um, Traylon Burks, who's a rookie or whatever. So, like, now it's like, okay, I liked what I saw from Pat Bryant last year. He made a few big plays. Like, Isaiah Williams, I think – he got the ball a decent amount last year and it still wasn't as enough as he probably should have because you have guys like chase and I, I, I the running back, I guess is also another concern because oddly enough though, you know, I would agree with that. Reggie loved despite not racking up a lot of yards in the bowl game. Yeah. There is a steadiness about him and I almost chalk up that performance more to kind of a troubling deficiency with run blocking. It seemed mm-hmm. like Mississippi State's defensive line actually kind of had our offensive line's number. Yeah, they did. That surprised yeah. me. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, let's let's focus on the running back thing because and I, I want to not rescind but amend my nine. I mean like <laughs> a nine is if we're literally looking at the Big Ten favorites. This is the year it's all coming together. Returning right. Everybody. Yeah, a, yeah, a nine yeah. would have been where I was at when Io and Kofi decided yeah. to come back another year. Yeah. Right. Not mm-hmm. quite a ten. And that was that was a lot to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So all the concerns and let's start with offense specifically yeah. running back. You know, this idea of a Thunder Lightning kind of combo with Josh McCray and a Reggie Love, I I I, my concern is not with the Reggie Love. My concern is with the Josh McCray. Yeah. And the weirdness kind of surrounding the injury last year mm-hmm. and how the coaching staff continues to say all the right things and they've bought enough cachet where I'm, I'm, I tend to believe them. However, just the elusiveness of why is he hurt? Why is he not playing? And then almost these little hints that were being dropped that, well, he is healthy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mentally, we just kind of got to get, get him back into it. Not that that's, uh, you know crazy that someone would have to kind of get back in mental game shape as well but i thought well maybe there's something more here that's keeping josh out the field 
that is my concern. That short of Reggie Love, who I think will get you 7,800 yards, no problem. Um, he's not going to be able to be a 1,600-yard workhorse like Chase Brown. But if there is a flip side, as you were talking about, it will be less of an assist- insistence on having to run the ball and more of a, well, you got Isaiah Williams, a Pat Bryant, Casey Washington as a third-down outlet. I would say the improved wide receiver room gives you a little bit of a cushion if the running back situation's in flux. And I do think, too, your offensive line, returning most of them and you know guys with NFL potential, it might not matter, hopefully, who you put back there. They might be able to get seven or 800 yards, like you're saying. But um, And I know I, Chase, like we're saying, it could flip, right? And you got multiple guys. We don't feel like we need to force feed him the ball. But then it's like, okay, do you have a guy that's 75% maybe a Chase or 60%? And it's easy to forget. I don't know why McCray, I'm sort of – I know we're, we're not talking to Illinois basketball, but it makes me think slightly about – uh, Curbelo freshman year. I thought you were going to say Austin Hutcherson. <laughs> no, no, but, um, but like, I get that though. I that's actually huge good freshman year. And yep. then, I mean, Curbelo, I know he, well, he had those concussions, whatever him and McCray different year or uh, different reasons for having such a, a weird sophomore year, but it's like, okay, is Josh McCray really like that guy? And like, I think he is. I mean, he's built like an NFL running back, but even his freshman year, he got hurt a handful of games. Like you can be a stud, but if you're only going to be there like five or six games, then, you know, we can only use you so much. And then it's hard for other guys to get into the flow of things. Um, The Mike Epstein effect. Yeah. A hundred percent. Somehow that guy darn near rushed for 800 yards. There was a post from Mike Pearson who does these Illini legends list and lore. And he had, it was happy birthday, Mike Epstein. And whatever the yardage total was, it it actually shocked me because I only remember about three games he played in and he always got hurt. But whenever he was out there, including I think that USF game. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he played played well I think he, he was really destroyed, good but well and then when they you played him at soldier field was he good in that game and too? i think he played well then too but i was on a run a couple <laughs> days ago and a name popped in my head mj, MJ rivers. rivers yeah and the reason it did is i was running past alani in on fourth street yeah. and if you recall there was a saturday night game against western illinois at home yes it was a rainy saturday wide receiver got hurt yeah, yeah he had that amazing catch i forget his name Who's, yeah. yeah same same thing i forget his name yeah. but i think mj rivers was the starting quarterback in yeah he game. was and usf at soldier field the week before or after but yeah, so the running back position to me, it, the other thing, and I think we're going to use the word either take solace or comfort in, mm-hmm. and usually will be in reference to Brett Bielema and his track record. And that is one of those, okay, if they did not make a point or an emphasis of going out there and getting a running back in the transfer portal, which they, they have shown no problem going out and plucking different guys, especially D-backs and offensive line help, by using the portal, then they must feel pretty good about it. The other thing with the running back position, and I don't want to just say anybody could you know, run behind a good offensive line, which I think Illinois' offensive line, while not great, should be very good. A 7 out of 10, yeah. which can win you games. Then I'm wondering, or I, guess I should say interested, in what a Jordan Anderson or an Aiden Lawfrey can do. Because those names kept on popping up last year, and they didn't play, and for good reason. You didn't need them, and it was the stretch run with Chase Brown. But... I would like to think that if you got a good enough line, you can really just find someone they'll, you know, scat their way through it. And, um, but then again, are we underrating a 1600 yard rusher and Chase Brown? What I don't want to do, Isaac, is yeah. I don't want to do the whole thing I did before Illinois basketball last year, where I said, well, it sucks to lose Kofi. Yeah, but you know, because you played, but also you played through Kofi, so maybe you were kind of hamstrung. 
based on how good he was at what he did. I don't want to fall in that trap, but I think Bielema's record with running backs suggests they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. We just don't know exactly how it's going to look. I mean, every time, most years he was at Wisconsin, the running backs, I mean, I think he made a lot of running backs a lot of money because how good of his how good his offensive lines were. I mean, think about, so I think he's second. There's that graphic they always put out. He's second when it comes to offensive line draft picks mm-hmm. behind Nick Saban. But I'm sure... I don't know this for a fact. If you take out the five stars, the guys that Nick Saban recruits out of high school that could go right to the NFL, the number is probably closer. Bielma might be first. Yeah. Um, and I so I think guys like Monty Ball and Melvin Gordon, I mean, they're great running backs, but a lot of times they were just cycled through at Wisconsin. And I know this is going to be Barry Lunny's offense and going to be a little bit different, but I do think that offensive line comes from the Bart Miller, Brett Bielma type thing. And like you're saying – you, you can't just put Joe Schmo back there, but you're hoping that a lot of these returning offensive linemen can help higher the ceiling. Um, but I get what you're saying with the whole Kofi situation because it's like, well, we can replace Chase. Last year we just knew, to a fault, f- like Kofi, we knew, okay, we're going to feed it into him. He's going to get fouled. Like It limits our potential because we don't have shooters. We're just going to keep doing that. Uh, with Chase Brown, you're going to give him the ball on that annoying sometimes RPO 10 times in a row on the goal line and you don't get like you get stopped like you're you you hire your ceiling because you know you're going to get a few yards every play but that's why like for instance your red zone offense was so bad last year that's why kind of shooting was so bad when Kofi was here because you didn't need to shoot as much but you also like you you really lowered your potential and we saw that that's what happened um it's a weird formula to try to figure out like you lose the biggest impact player and yet what they were good at did that limit you in other areas i think the wide receiver room is one area i'm taking Mm. there's a i won't say solace actually genuinely excited about in a way because you mentioned pat bryant who in the first half of last year looked the part and played the part Mm -hmm. i really think through the first six games he looked like damn this kid's gonna be i don't want to say I he has this look to me that just takes me back to the 01 team and you were a young whippersnapper back then but we're talking the Brandon Lloyds and the Walter Youngs he looks like he looks and plays like a wide receiver Isaiah Williams is like a Swiss army knife that happens to play wide receiver Pat Bryant looks it so between those two there's one other name that I'm oddly excited about who do you think I'm going to say? Are you going to say the freshman? I'm LZ, not going to yeah. say, because okay. we all are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited because of his reliability. I have these thoughts on my runs. I'm like, okay, who's going to do what? Yeah. And it's been a lot of football-centric recently. Casey Washington, I think, will yeah. have about seven, 800 yards this year. Yeah. I think that for a young quarterback like Luke Altmaier, you want that safety blanket. Now, the obvious choice is Isaiah Williams, mm-hmm. but I think in first and second downs, you're going to get more usage from him. Yeah. Third down, you kind of got to go with the old reliable, right? And whether that's a little eight-yard curl or an eight-yard slant or out, whatever that may be, the bowl game gave me a lot of encouragement. And actually, the last few games of the season, Mm -hmm. that Casey Washington, who had shown those flashes. I mean, think two years ago at Minnesota. He had that amazing catch, uh, that dime from Peters to him, one of the few big plays of the game. I really think that he is... He's got the stick him on his glove, so to speak. I, I think that that gives you a great third option. And then that that's the kind of position where you mentioned the freshman. You can get a yeah. random impact player, right. though it would not be random if a Wiltshire or a, an LZ, LZ had a big yeah. year. Yeah, in case Washington, 
seems to just be like around the big plays. Like you just mentioned Minnesota. He caught the ball against Penn State in the nine overtime game. That's right, yeah. And he caught the slant, one of the last few plays in the Wisconsin upset a few years ago at Memorial Stadium to get you in, you know, field goal position. And he get was you. on that team. Yeah, he was a freshman. I'm like 99.9%. I think you're right. Sure. He's, yeah. And this is his COVID, fifth yeah, year COVID. Right. Um, so, yeah, he, he's definitely got the ability. I do think with Peters and just the past few years, he, he has got a little just mixed into things and maybe like swept under the rug. And I don't think the coaches are ignoring him by any means, but he's def- I think he's got the physical attributes and he definitely seems to have the hands. So it'd be interesting to see him take that next step. Um, yeah, and and see who's gonna who's gonna be the next big playmaker if it's gonna be him or Brian or I would assume Brian. Yeah, he he made some huge huge plays last year. I remember I think it was uh, Minnesota last year at home. Mm-hmm. You went down because Minnesota almost took the kickoff back. So That's Minnesota right. scores a few plays later. Uh, Tommy throws him a pretty deep ball around the left uh, down the home sideline. He catches it, and I remember thinking like, dang, this dude. He's got great hands too. He doesn't just have the size. So I feel like that was his last impact game. Yeah, he, hit, a, hit a freshman or is freshman or sophomore wall. His first year playing. Time. I mean, you didn't really after that. Which big throwing games did you have? You, you didn't know? really. And I went back and actually looked at that, thinking, yeah. well, there has to be a correlation here between you started losing those games. The offensive numbers had to go down. I don't think the offensive numbers and terms of total yardage or anything went down but the efficiency did the running game became predictable Mm -hmm. therefore you had to start throwing the ball 30 40 35 40 times a game which was not the way that they wanted to do it tommy devito i think the most yards he threw for in a game last year was michigan state yeah and that that was yeah a lot of those were late i mean there was a late drive that probably padded another 50 yards in the stat and i think isaiah had like a quick or like a slant that he took like 60 yards or something he had a he had a deep pass touchdown too in that game yeah Yeah, a game we could you see this and we're we're gonna get we're gonna go kind of position groups that we either have concerns Mm -hmm. or we're excited about and then i want to get into the more macro and we'll talk about the intangible factors of this team that i'm really encouraged by but with the wide receiver position this will lead us right into quarterback the one thing that gets me most excited about this season is the little nuggets that have been put out there from Isaiah Williams, whether it was at media day or after one of these practices and the coaches to an extent that they are not saying that Alt Meyer is going to be Tommy and none of us would expect that. Mm-hmm. However, much as I love Tommy, much as I'm sure you did and most Illini fans, he's got his position secure in Illini lore for being a one year guy that helped bring us back. Yep. There were limits the deep ball was one of them. Mm-hmm. When he got hurt in the Iowa game, the mobility went away. 100%. And that killed you. Yeah. And if there's two things that Altmeyer can do, he ain't going to throw for 70% like Tommy did in some games. And that's okay. If you can deliver two or three deep balls a game that Tommy might not have been able to, like the the throw that not haunts me, but you were there for the yep, bowl game. Yep, yep. Isaiah Williams, 25 yards down the field, that would have put you in position to milk the clock and win it, right? Yeah. Because you're up 12-10 at or, that point. Yes, you're right. And you or or yeah, because they kicked the field goal with like three or four seconds left. There was only they did, and then there was left. the yeah. weird play where they got the late touchdown, which was and just salt and wood or something. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. that oh, not, that was not a, a great game. way to end the season. I do specifically remember I was sitting in like the southwest, whatever was like the opposite cat corner of the pirate ship, and it, I had a perfect view of it because it was like on the thirty-five or forty or whatever, you know, on the opposite side. The throw to Isaiah. You, yeah, you saw. Oh, the you separation. Saw it open. Yeah, Isaiah was wide open, and um, yeah, 
that that definitely limited you last year. And I don't think like in the moment as much like during the season I thought about it. One because your quarterback play had been so bad the like leading up to Tommy. And two, because things were just working, like he was kind of just doing what he needed to do. He didn't, he really didn't make that many bad throws, bad plays, except I remember like once, I think, against Virginia. And then there was an, a couple interceptions late. I mean, it was all November. Yeah. October was about as flawless of yeah. a month. And the Minnesota game was the peak of that. That was where awesome. He was just incredibly efficient. What what that was, I think, part of was his experience, his ability to deliver short and intermediate routes, mm-hmm. no doubt. And you didn't really have many deep plays. Even that Minnesota game where you had no. the ball for 40 minutes, the reason why I'm overall a Lunny fan is we saw the ability in that game and through the month of October that they can sustain drives without the big play. Mm-hmm. Like he was playing close to the vest almost, not getting too weird and only playing to his strengths and yet was still able to do something with it. Um, but I also want to be careful too here because yeah. I don't want to do the Chase Brown thing or the Kofi thing from two, uh, a year ago and think, wow, you know, I mean, Tommy was okay, but no, Tommy at times was great. Yeah. But I do think if you look around in the Big Ten West where I believe every team has a new quarterback, and it might be a Cade McNamara at Iowa. He's more proven. Yeah. The Wisconsin guy whose name escapes uh, me. Malachi, the dude from SMU. Right? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. That's right. And they got another transfer that's portal right. guy as their backup. Yeah. And they might be, they might very well be better. Yeah. But it's Mordecai, not Malachi. Sorry. It's yeah. Mordecai. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But all that is to say that, you know, we don't need Luke Altmeyer to be an all Big Ten quarterback. No, yeah. You really just need him to deliver the occasional deep throw and manage the game when it comes to um, these longer sustained drives that I think it, at times were Lenny's specialty. So, again, it's not a small question mark. Mm-mm. The guy's only played a couple games at Ole Miss. Yeah. However, I think, I just get the feeling that they wouldn't be planting these little nuggets like, this is the best quarterback room situation we've had here, or, you know... I, I know that they're talking more about the depth of that position, but I, I can't help but think they wouldn't they would not say that if they felt like Luke Altmeyer wasn't actually going to be a pretty serviceable Big Ten starter. No, yeah. And I, I think a couple there are a couple other positions that they haven't been bragging about, right, that you maybe maybe they do have question marks about and uh like they've brought in a good amount of depth, like at the defensive back and stuff, right? And they have a handful of transfers transfers there and that might be because they are a little bit concerned. So just knowing that you haven't heard anything bad, and I'm sure something by now would have probably come out or, or reports that he was getting picked off a bunch so. of times in practice. You'd think somebody would somebody would have something to say about it. But yeah, I, I don't think you don't yeah, you don't need Luke to be great. And again, our bar is so low here at Illinois. Like just don't make the dumb plays. Just make as many right plays as you can without throwing interceptions and and hit the occasional deep ball, which we haven't seen. And I'm I'm really like my lifetime the last guy that could really hit the deep ball. I know Westland had an arm. Um, oh, he was a, a sitting duck back. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> so it's it's like there a lot of guys can throw it deep, but how many guys can make the right decision, constantly be efficient? Um, I, I would have to say Shieldhouse. I might be wrong, but even he was more like a mobile guy. Obviously, Juice more of a Devito could, than yeah, a deep ball guy. Obviously, Juice could throw it. Uh, there really haven't been a ton of quarterbacks in my lifetime that could zip it down the field, but. Coming from Ole Miss, I mean, that's top of the top. It's a lot better than if he was coming from, like, Kansas State or Iowa State or something like that, you know? so uh, He's a righty, isn't he? He's a righty. Yes. Okay, yeah. I think one thing I was just thinking of, because 
the offensive line, you know the left side of it's going to be tremendous. Yeah. And the right side, they're going to shuffle some things, and your center is probably going to be Josh Krutz. Yep. And I I think that will work out fine, though, of course, you would have taken the guy that went to Auburn and felt a lot better about it. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that his blind side should be pretty well protected. I think that they will do things. If the offensive line, for whatever reason, is not able to really hold up the way they want it to, he has the mobility, which is a blessing and a curse because the more you do it, the more likely you are to get hurt. Uh, But I think you can still do it in a way where it's effective and not really hang him out to dry. Uh, Yeah, I, I overall with the offense, in terms of expectations, last year they finished 91st in scoring offense. Yeah. You know, I think you can and and should improve on that. And if you don't, you might have more questions about Lonnie. It's year three with Bielma, year two with Lonnie. I I don't think this team, though, uh, will have a problem moving the ball. And then the the other factor that we briefly touched on, or you did, was just red zone. If they they clean that up. Yeah, they're winning. If they clean up the red zone thing, they're winning eight games somehow, some way this year. If that's a recurring issue, we'll be pulling our hair out. Lawrence, Kansas on September 9th or whatever it is, because then we'll feel like deja vu all over again. But I I think if they rectify that, then the offense will be fine. And I don't think you need it to be more than just fine. I do think that I've heard you say a few times in the past few pods, like you were closer to 10 and two, right? Than six and six. And I think the off, like if you, if you were just slightly better at the red zone, I mean, you would have beat Indiana. You would have Michigan. Mich- well, how many times did you get in the red zone against Michigan? Yeah, the Michigan one was iffy. Um, let's see. I was at, I was at a women's basketball game in the second half, so I didn't get to even watch it, but oh, lucky you. Um, well, was that, I, I mean, I did see the very ending. They put it up on, oh. on the big screen, but, um, I know cause Chase had like a rushing touchdown. A great the, 30. But that was, yeah, that was outside the red zone. Um, I forget how else you scored in that game. I, I was so tightly wound. Was it Michigan, Michigan State, too? I think you had a couple chances you might have blown. Well, right in the start of the game? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe Isaiah took it downfield and got tackled, and then you didn't score. Something like that. Yeah. You got within the 20. I mean, right. it was right in front of my dad and I where our seats yeah. are, and you're thinking, oh, we're going to smoke these fools mm-hmm. today. Because I think Michigan State had a pick. Or, you know what, actually started uh, off with Sid- a pick in the red zone. Didn't, didn't Sydney? It? Yeah. I don't know. And then we weren't able to convert. We yeah, got stuffed on a fourth right. down that's and right. thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And you hope that the offense can – I mean, yeah, that's why it's so important to have a guy like Pat Bryant, right, you can throw it up to. And hopefully a guy like Tip Ryman, I don't know how high he's going to be able to jump, but the the tight ends have, have done pretty well here for Lunny the past couple of years, so maybe you can keep that up. I love the sort of drag routes they did yeah. a few times last year. There was one at Nebraska in particular, whether it was Ryman or Ford. Yep. That, that worked out really well. And it, it was almost as if, you, you know, to their credit as an offensive staff with Lonnie and then Bielema, I'm sure, having a big hand in it, they they were adapting. I, I didn't get the sense so much that they were stuck in their ways. I, I get the sense if I were to be an apologist or <laughs> I, I want to be careful with that because, you know, they, they had their issues too and Lonnie admitted that. But uh, I, I really do feel as if as the season dragged on, they felt like the best way to win was to still play close to the vest because of the limitations that they had. I think you saw in the bowl game, I remember getting really frustrated and thinking, why aren't you going downfield? Why aren't you going downfield? And when they did, they weren't able to get anything done. So what what do you do at that point? Yeah. Now, you could run in the same situation unless the personnel is that much better at doing the things that you want them to do. 
we'll be saying some of the same things mid-season where we got frustrated with Barry Lunny's play calling. But I, it, upon reflection, I don't know how much of that was play calling and how much of that was, okay, these are the tools in our toolbox and they can only get us so far. And that's year two of a program and still trying to figure things out. And this might be ridiculous, but we're playing a lot of like hypothetical or trying to project things. Hey, it's but. August, man. It's all about <laughs> hypotheticals. With, with the defense, I mean... Odds are they're going to take a step back, probably even a couple steps back, because for so much of the season, you were number one in the Big Ten and like scoring and everything. So you wondered, like a lot of times in offense, they they kind of complement the pace of the defense, if you will. So um, I remember Minnesota, lat, Minnesota Bielma's first year at Minnesota, you won like 14-7 or 21-7 or whatever. Oh, you, if the, I mean, it was it was... You won by more than a touchdown, so I want to say like a weird one, like 17-7, But remember, you were scored immediately, right? and then Minnesota couldn't score because your defense was playing so well, and it's like you just completely took your foot off the gas. And it felt like that last year a couple mm-hmm. times where you started off well, you maybe made some plays, and then you kind of didn't, didn't blitz, or you were becoming really conservative, or you, for instance, knew that your defense was going to bail you out, which happens so many times. So I'll be interested to see your defense, even if they're like middle of the pack, the offense is going to have to step up a handful of times, um, a lot more than they did last year. So it might be that sort of catch-22 where, yeah, your defense takes a few steps back, but maybe Lunny is forced to open up the playbook more, um, which I do think worked a lot of times. Like you were talking about the tight end play. There was a couple plays where the tight end would kind of like sneak out like from the backfield or something, mm-hmm. and he would be unguarded, and then he would score. Easy 15-yard um, scampers. Yeah, so maybe maybe some things like that will are, are sort of op- open up. Um, I think there's a way that they can do the things that worked with Tommy last year, the mm-hmm. easy routes, and is Altmaier going to, again, be completing them at the same percentage? I don't know about that, but I do think that you can, especially early in games, kind of get him warmed up. I, I don't know how, heck, it wouldn't surprise me if in the Toledo game within the first few throws they say, okay, Luke, take one. To really, It'll be interesting to see how they decide to grow this kid's confidence. Not that he lacks it, but as far as in-game confidence, there's just not a lot of tape on it. And you know what's one thing I forget that I literally just thought about, like, the main thing we compare him to is Tommy because mm. he was a, at a different, bigger school. Um, Ole Miss bigger than Syracuse, but transferring in, we really just wanted him to be a game manager. We knew Chase Brown was going to be good last year, right? Like the one difference, it, it'll be a successful year for Luke if he just makes you know the occasional play and doesn't make a bunch of stupid plays that cost you games, right? Because you know you got him for at least a couple more years. Which so, is that that is the most exciting part to me. Would yes. I take Hudson Card for this team? Of mm-hmm. course, because you feel like it's more of a given. However, how many more given given your team makeup and the blueprint with which Bielema teams tend to win? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Would you be in that much better of a position as a program? With Hudson Card one year, Luke Altmaier three. And I, without yeah. trying to talk myself into it, I, I think that immediately after the Hudson Card thing, and we were texting each other when this all went down, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, of course, Purdue. Because <laughs> if he didn't go to Purdue, we wouldn't care. Oh, no. Huh? Right. But yeah. he went to Purdue, so we're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. A month after Walters gets the job. Mm-hmm. But as the dust kind of settled on that, I thought, you got the longer term option here. And there's a chance that he was, you know, under Lane Kiffin, where there are plenty of good quarterbacks yeah. that want to play for that guy. He just kind of toiled in the second position, losing to a pretty good quarterback. And I don't know, man. I'll take the SEC guy. I, 
it, sometimes it's just as simple as that. If you're good enough to be the number two guy in SEC team, you're probably going to be number, okay to be number one under Brett Bielema in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and like kind of like what you just said, like would you rather have Hudson Card this year or Luke in a few years? So you're kind of playing the long game there, which a lot of times you don't get. I feel transfers. better. I feel better going to next year where you lose some really key guys, no doubt. Yeah. But then the more I look at the roster, I think there's a lot of sophomores in the two deep. There's a lot of juniors in the two deep. Yeah. And if you bring back a quarterback and you feel good about him, and you bring back most of your wide receiving core, and I, I feel like Altmeyer gives you a little bit more of a pathway to not feel as if 2023 is some one shot kind of deal, which I don't think it is. Yeah. But we might have had more of that. Oh boy, if we can't win this year with Hudson Card, we're losing everybody next year. And the transfer portal changes that. I think Bielma changes that. A lot of the recruits we don't even think about now, which, I mean, guys like Jeremy, they do all the analysis or whatever. And then you don't really even find out if your analysis was right for a couple of years because it takes guys, especially these three-star guys, right? It takes some time to to pan out. But that's why it's so important for Bielma to have these recruiting classes because when Johnny Newton leaves, when Keith Randolph leaves, Isaiah Adams, all these guys, you might not have another NFL talent right there, but you might have a guy that's sort of been behind them, been molding. So then when 2025 comes or whatever, you're not completely uh, screwed there. So that's, that's, uh, we go back to like the Bielma helping make us more confident and everything. That is such a big part of it. Um, I do think he knows who he wants. I think the staff knows who they want to recruit and that just makes it so much better off than, in past when you've had when one guy's gone down you know and you've just just been such a drop off especially in the trenches where I think that's so much more important you can kind of mask if a wide receiver goes down if a corner goes down um but if you have guys in the trenches and, and it's just a complete drop off if a guy like Johnny were to get hurt that's where I think having somebody like Bielma is so important um because then in 2025 you you still have hope you know sure um yeah. So, so would we agree that we only really need the offense to be fine, to to good, or or do you, do you have a little more? I need of a, to come on, show me something, Barry. I need to see the I need to see the Kansas game because I think Kansas will have a pretty good offense. Their quarterback coming back, uh, Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels. Um, their defense should stink though. Yeah, their defense will probably be bad. That's why I'm saying like, if the offense like I don't but, know, how but much, but Indiana's defense yeah, yeah. stunk too, and on that fateful night. You know, that's why... Well, their offense was bad, too, and you made them look decent. It was a weird It was a weird night, yeah. Hey, you know, there was something that I thought was pretty cool, and it's the kind of thing that gets you excited as an Illini fan. It seems... When I was talking to Jeremy, I, I told him, it's like everything that Bielma does, I'm like, oh, he's so smart. And I want to... <laughs> yeah, again, I want to yeah. be... I want to caution myself, because, you know, he's not infallible. But this thing that they're practicing more at night because they know that yeah. their first two games are 6.30. Yeah. I bet you that game week, they're just going to... I wouldn't be surprised they practice 6.30 every night. Under the lights, Memorial Stadium, just get ready to go. So that when that... Their internal... Cl- all this sort of gamesmanship, all the detail-oriented stuff he does is not all that different from the fact that Hayden Fry wanted to paint the opposing locker room pink. Yeah. Meaning that... It, it, I, I, this is one more anecdote about Bielma that I really appreciated. When they went to Wisconsin last year... That week, mm. he talked about how he talked to them about everything about Camp Randall. Mm-hmm. Everything to expect. Now, I'm the kind of person that maybe it's a control freak thing or, or something, but I like knowing where I'm going. When I get there, I can kind of relax. 
but I kind of like to have an expectation about what is this thing going to be like, mm-hmm. and then my mentally I get ready for it. So that last year was just indicative of the fact that he will do everything he can to just make sure his team, when it is time to kick it off, they kind of know what the score is. They know what they're where they're going to be, what they got to do, and all of that. And this practicing at night thing. Mm-hmm. First, why, why would you do that? Oh, okay. And then is Toledo doing that? Maybe. Is Kansas doing that? I don't even know who Kansas is playing week one. I, I couldn't tell you. It's probably like Southeast Texas A&M or something like that. We'll, we'll get to the schedule in a bit, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that that is huge. And that's those probably just a handful of things that Bielma has picked up over the years that is so helpful. I mean, learning from Belichick, learning from... Um, Alvarez at sure. uh, Wisconsin before he even took over. A lot of things like that, you know, I think he's picked up. And it is the little things like that, I think, in college football. Um, I mean, I'm 25, so these kids that play for Illinois and um, play college football, they're not that much younger than me. But just think about how even the littlest thing could set you off mentally. Yeah. So, like, like kind of what you just said, knowing, like, okay, this is what's coming. Okay, we're going to get ready to play at night. Because um, if you're practicing it, at 8 a.m. and it's 90 degrees in champagne and then you're playing it Friday night, you know, and the weather's different or whatever. Like the littlest thing I think could throw off 18 to 22 year olds. And I think Bielma knows that. And my favorite thing about Bielma, besides those little football guy things, like, like practicing when you're going to play, which makes a hundred percent of sense. You just don't really, it's not, it's not a genius move, but I don't know how many people do that. Yeah. And I, I think Bielma just seems like such an honest guy. And for instance, I remember after the Michigan game last year, um, he was frustrated too, right? Like in the moment about the the uh, non-call offensive pass interference and a couple other plays here and there. But then he also wasn't coming out and saying that it was completely not our fault, right? There was and there was a like the Michigan State Purdue games, right? Like after the press conference or you're listening in the press conference, he's not filling you up with crap. He's not saying you know, we played great or this and this and that, but he said like, Hey, I promise, you know, next week we're going to be more physical. We're going to do this and that. And I remember that after the Purdue game, him specifically saying like, we're going to be better next week. Like we know we're going to the big house, this and this and that. And they did. And they, they could have won that game. I remember when I was listening, that was one of the worst days of my life. So I've lived a pretty good life, (laughs) but that day sucked. Did it not? It was so cold. It was so cold and miserable. And it was just like, just win. And I know we're going to Indian God, you know, but I remember listening to that, just being the sports masochist I am. I'm like, let's tune into the press conference. Right. And I'm like, yeah, big house, you know, whatever. Right. We're going to get our asses kicked. But no, we didn't. They mm-hmm. actually, in a way, that game of Michigan, despite not getting the win, was, I think, a really good barometer of, okay, this is how I can feel when this team inevitably loses a disappointing game. Mm-hmm. Now it happened to be two in a row and then it happened to move to three, three yeah. in a row because Michigan was able to overcome it because they were a freaking college football playoff team. But that team could, I mean, remember Michigan's opening drive that game? They basically went right down the field. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be over. It could. Yeah. I thought it was done. Mm-hmm. And then the game kind of settles in and you're like, Oh wait, we're actually going toe to toe with Michigan yeah. in a non fluky way. So it, it's those things. It's the preparation. It's the fact he calls Toledo, the Mac champs, which yeah. is just the kind of sometimes coachy stuff drives me nuts. Like mm-hmm. that, Pat Fitzgerald, maybe not a good example, <laughs> but he could have done something like that and I would have rolled my eyes. Right, right, right. But I do think, as you mentioned, there's this, I'm not crapping you. I will occasionally do some coachy stuff. Yeah. But it is, there's an authenticity that I sense from him that makes him, 
I don't know. He's obviously for those of us in the podcast, he's got a lot of credibility in my book. I freaking love most of what he does. I mean, his assistants even like I know we talk about it a lot, like people bring it up, but like just the amount of credibility in like places that his assistants have been. I mean, Bullen was with the Cardinals, the new outside linebackers guy, right? He's we, worked, yeah, yeah. We for, he, forget, yeah, we about, forget him. about him, right? <laughs> like, um, I mean, Andy Booge was just a linebackers coach, right? He was a D coordinator. Finellis is a younger guy, yeah, but it younger makes sense guy. About him. I mean, Miller, Bart Miller's had some great offensive lines. Um, Leonard just chilling. Yeah, right. And like just another guy that's just on staff. And then Bielma's obviously been all over the place and had such such good experience. But it's just that culture I think that a lot of those a lot of those assistants have. And every they're all great interviews. Like like you had Lunny on. It was a great like. I think it's just the type of person that I mean. Aaron Henry was on. Aaron Lina. Henry's a star. Yeah, awesome. Just a, just a great to even listen to. Um, I think all those guys are like Bielma and they know what he what he is and what he wants and um I I think that that's huge too that there's not it doesn't seem like there's any bad eggs or or whatever and gr- granted I would have said this last year probably before No Garrick all, McGee's Right yeah <laughs> and it's been it's been interesting too now that Walters and um Corey Patterson and uh Kevin Kane those guys have all left Yeah um, because I probably would have said this last year too. Oh sure. So it it, it maybe I'll maybe I'll be um taken back. My but that you but. The, you reloaded. It wasn't. Yeah. The, I mean, Lovey was a really the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But like when Kenyoto Hudson is your best <laughs> defensive assistant and your son is the freaking linebacking coach. No. Yeah. Yeah. Far cry from no that. reason to be there. Yeah. Let's hit the defense real yeah, quick. Absolutely. Uh, and and to me, it's a really simple equation. Your lack of experience in the secondary may not be fully overcome, but will be greatly helped by the fact that your front, let's call them the, I'm going to call the D-line your front three and your outside linebackers because God knows if Akis or Coleman's going to be coming in any particular place. So those five guys up front and then uh, Tariq Barnes is a huge return. He's back, right? Yeah, yeah. We never talk about linebackers. I know. Wait, okay, CJ Hart's not here, but Tariq Barnes is. Uh, I know linebacking is a position where you're kind of thinking, huh? But that's your number six, and then you're going to have five DBs. All that to say that it just seems as if you have the ability to overcome the inexperience in the secondary. And the fact that they went out and got all these options, of of course the secondary is not going to be nearly as good as last year. However, in the bowl game, you didn't have Sydney. You didn't have Devin Witherspoon. And I think... I mean, what I liked about that bowl game, and I think the value in a Chase Sydney and Devin Witherspoon sitting out, was all the experience that it got for a lot of guys. But I was really king on the secondary against the pass happy Mississippi State team. They did pretty good. I don't think did I don't think Quan Martin played either. Or I did he? It. I think he did. I know Kendall did. And Kendall did, and yeah. of course that helps too. But again, yeah. that's two years in a row now where yeah. we've had, and that's not to slide on Kendall, who I think did end up with a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the re- our commanders. And of course, Kirby called. Joseph is killing it. Yeah, yeah. But it does seem that is the magical position where whoever you put in that free safety slot mm-hmm. is going to get, well, there's five interceptions for you. Now, there is the concern, Matthew Bailey yeah. in the boot, though they did say some encouraging things yesterday mm-hmm. about that. He is a key guy, no doubt, but... Uh, despite all those questions and all these new toys, I, I know they will take the occasional lump, and that's scary in the first two games with good quarterbacks, but the front five could also maul the quarterback, 
and yeah. put them out of the game before it becomes now not trying to make wide of an injury thing, yeah. but like they will get to the quarterback. We know that. And I mean, before Bielma got here, Witherspoon was an afterthought. Quan was kind of like written off. I feel he had like. a couple bad years. Yes, Quan Martin. yeah. So did Kendall Smith. Like, yes. I mean, and even Sydney. I remember Sydney like made some big plays. Uh, I think as a sophomore when you went to the bowl game with Lovey, but there was even that season where I specifically remember him getting tossed over and yes. like him not so in dirty plays, right? So who's going to be like? I mean, we have a, we have a lot of guys back there, so hopefully one of them's bound to step up and be that next. I mean, it'd be great if one of them was the next Witherspoon, but at least those guys were in the for the besides the freshmen, they were in the building with four guys that are on NFL rosters, and you have Aaron Henry. So Matthew Bailey thinks a little um concerning he's big yeah because he played so well in games last year and you hope because he missed a few games last year i think with injury he when he played after, all 13 apparently he did he did and i think it's really just been the spring and then now with the boot with they say the boots coming off in the next week or so maybe i'm thinking of the spring game I don't he think did he, not play the yeah, spring game right, okay. and you know taz nicholson he, yeah he was injury prone at the end yeah. of last year you hope that that gets better too i forget if he did or did not play in the bowl game i don't think he did but i know that's one thing I don't think people talk about enough is that Taz missed like the last few games of the year. Mm-hmm. And that was huge because teams, they're not going to throw at Witherspoon. So they're throwing at some of these backup guys. And specifically, I remember a few times like against Purdue. I don't know if he played against Michigan State. Um, where you could have used your number two He got hurt corner. in the Michigan State game, I recall. Yeah, and, and it was other, early on, right? You know what's so weird is before that Michigan State game, we were all feeling our oats. Oh I mean, we gosh, all thought we were going to yeah. win that game. We're going to yeah. be 8-1. and one. This Well, they had like eight guys out. I know, I know. And I, I talked to Taz's grandpa. Okay. And it was, he listens to the podcast sometimes, so shout out if he's listening now. But yeah. we had a great conversation. And, of course, I'm extolling all the virtues of the Bielema era, which yeah. I still believe in. But And he said all the positive things about Taz's experience and – um, you know, we talked about how Taz had kind of quietly just yeah. gone under the radar and understandably, but that he's a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then that game, I remember when he got dinged up and, and got taken off. I thought, what, what crap luck. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's it. I mean, for the defense, I mean, again, it's kind of like we talked about the running back position. We talked about the offensive line, you know, you know, the defensive line is going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. But Bielema's teams, they play good defense. And we haven't even mentioned the transfer from FIU. I think he was a freshman All-American. He was, and he's just not really... He's in the two-deep mix. I mean, that... That just tells you that what I really appreciate about them, they knew, okay, we're losing three D-backs to the draft. Yep. So let's replenish. And replenish they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the kid that was Oklahoma or us, there's a couple kids that chose us over yes. Oklahoma. Yeah. I forget. You see, the, um, Yeah, I know. If, if this was another year, we'd think like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. This right is now. why listening to Jeremy and Joey is a good idea because <laughs> yeah. football recruiting, I'll be honest, yeah. other than some big names, uh, it's just hard for me to – that may change now that we're having more yeah. success. but It's crazy. Like, just Jeremy and Joey, like, I'll be – a lot of like what I do is like cutting up the podcast and stuff and like they'll just be naming guys left and right and like recruits in like the class of 26 and stuff like that and I'm just like how do you guys do this it's, but yeah, yeah they would be the ones that it's probably not the best that I came on after Jeremy because he knows the whole depth chart pretty much um but he's just great at what he does and knowing the roster and everything it's his job but, and he does it well yes yeah but no like totally they're just bringing in guys that and I think in other years I would know I should know the FIU kid's name. Because, I mean, essentially, you think about how good of a year Gabe, Gabe Yakis 
I don't know. I always Akis. Akis. I always overthink. I, well, his last I, you name. know whose name I have a problem with is Aiden Lawfrey. Lawfrey, yeah. Or Laffer. Laff- it's it looks not like Laff. Or is it, it? It looks like Laff. Yeah. Something logger. It's the yeah. th that I know it's not Laff, so that's throwing me off. So I listen closely to Jeremy and Joey. Lawfrey, Aiden Lawfrey. The lightning to Jordan Anderson's thunder, perhaps. Got it. In future years. Okay, so I'm going to call him Gabe. So Gabe had a great freshman year at the uh, defensive end uh, position, freshman All-American. So essentially, this kid from FIU had as good of a freshman year as Gabe did. So and now he's going to be back there. Uh, I know Nicario Harper, forget where he transferred from. Yeah, he was at Louisville, maybe transferred somewhere else before. But he had a a good year there. Uh, I think that... With this, oh, and by the way, with Akis, here's my trick. Before even seeing his last name, yeah, in my mind, listening to Jeremy and Joey, I thought Akis, and then I, I said A C K A S, yeah, Akis. So when I saw the jersey with a J, I was like, hmm, okay, whatever. Yeah, I already yeah, had the yeah. silent J was ingrained yeah. in my mind. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long, so let's let's talk yeah. macro. Let's hit it. Uh, two things we're gonna do. One is talk about the intangible quality. Uh, which I'll mention in a second, then we'll finish up just looking at the schedule, doing a little fun game like Juan and I used to do, Dare to Dream. Awesome. All right, the intangible thing that I am most excited about, why I don't think this will be a 2008. For you, you're a younger fan. Was there any season that you look at in particular that was a disappointing follow-up? 2008's the obvious one, but you were a younger fan then. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, can we qualify 2011 after 2010 because you ended... You started six and zero, and then you lost six in a row. I mean, or... the main one, yeah, the main one that comes to mind is the year after the Rose Bowl, just because did you only won like five or six won games, five and seven, yeah. And I remember which what the cruelest thing about that was in two thousand two, you did the same yeah. thing after the Sugar Bowl, and it was the worst kind of deja vu. Thinking we got our coach, ah, no, we don't. I will say the when I was that young too, sort of in like ten or eleven. Um, the losing to USC as bad as you did almost lowered my expectations for the next year. So you were that, smart. That might have helped a little bit. It didn't do a damn thing for me. <laughs> it'd be different if you like barely lost or like even would have won that Rose Bowl. Then yeah. you're then you go five and seven. Um, but still, you had you know guys coming back and Juice was back and um, that yeah that that was the first one that comes to mind. Um, but. Bielma, I mean, you've broken so many. You beat Wisconsin, right? You've beat you've beaten some teams that you haven't beaten. You got back to a bowl game, so you're hoping that he's the one that can follow up a good season with another at least average season, which would be six uh, going to another bowl game. It just does so much for the school, for the town. You know, you're getting Illini fans from all over the country to go to Tampa, Florida, or san francisco like a few years ago quick question Um, for you yeah would you be because this is where i think we assumed we were going last year yeah would you be okay let's say this team seven and five i actually eight and four would still get them down there because i think iowa was eight and four yeah music city bowl yeah new year's eve would you be happy with that that'd be awesome that'd be all i mean i'm fine with that i've never even been to i've never i've been like around nashville but so going to nashville would be awesome it is fun Um, despite sometimes a place gets all this pub and you think yeah "Ah, it can't be that right it's probably a pain in the butt yeah it actually is a super fun town i mean you were in tampa there was a ton of illini fans there imagine it was great imagine how many more illinois fans would be there if you could drive like five hours right oh 25 yes 20 25 tons i'm sure there's a lot of illinois fans in nashville right so that i would be and if again if that is like your average year is like oh we're going to nashville you know music city bowl like we're gonna play 
Iowa's down year. Yeah, exactly. They freaking went eight and four, they right? The didn't they? Worst offense I've ever seen. Yeah. Some, I mean, that's a credit to them for sure. And I do think that <laughs> yeah. it, it shows you there is a way. There's yeah. a way to do it without being a sexy football program and in terms of, you know, 40 points a game and all that. Right. So the intangible thing that I'm thinking of is this team, uh, the coaches and the players are all saying something similar. There was a common thread when they addressed last year. And it's not the 7-1 start. And it's not eight wins, which for you and I, no matter how you get to eight wins, even with a disappointing finish, yeah. eight wins is what we've often talked about. Oh, I'm I'm in hog heaven. And mm-hmm. truly, I was for the most part last mm-hmm. year. They weren't. And they while you and I can sit here and talk about Music City Bowl, mm-hmm. and I genuinely would be excited about that, they are not thinking that. They're thinking, no, 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 no. The way last season ended, yeah. this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And I love what Isaiah Williams said at Big Ten Media Days. Paraphrasing here, he said, we got the best of both worlds. We got the chip on our shoulder from the way we finished last year, but we also know that we can beat anyone that we play. Mm-hmm. And I think there's enough veterans on this team that can carry the disappointment of last year along with the, oh yeah, we can beat anyone from last year, and that they can hold those two truths at the same time and actually use that to their benefit. So the intangible thing that I addressed in the first pod back and and why I am very high on what I think, you know, I, I never played football, so I can't pretend to know anything about it. I got to think out of all the team sports, the mental edge is that much more important in football. Mm-hmm. It, you hit harder. Quarterbacks focus that much more. You're just that much more in tune to every single play on the field if you have that lingering chip on your shoulder. And I, I think that will help this team. And to intangibles, these guys... They didn't. A lot of them didn't grow up Illinois fans, or like they all they do is think about Illinois athletics, like we do, right? So they're not thinking about the last. They're not thinking about the last time that they won a went to a bowl game and then screwed up the next year. And I think Bielma seems like the kind of guy that's not going to let them think like that. Um, so a lot of these guys, most of the guys in the program now, besides I guess a guy like well, even Kate, like we just mentioned, Casey Washington's freshman year, they at least went to a bowl game. But most of the guys on the roster now. They don't even they weren't around when it was really really bad, right? Like mm-hmm. so they've got just kind of good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cuz even Bielma's first year, you go 5 and 7, but it was a very competitive 5 and 7. It wasn't, you know, like it was arguably better than Lovey's bowl game season, but you only won 5 games. Did it feel to you like you're still kind of exercising the demons of disappointments in the past? 100%. With the 5 yeah. and 7 yeah. that if oh, well, if that same team were playing this year, Mhm which I know this is a weird hypothetical, but they get the same schedule and they are two year, two more years removed from the lovey toxicity mm-hmm. that given this schedule, that team would find their way to seven and five and they wouldn't screw up as much as they did. It, it, I, 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 I say that and it's very abstract and kind of vague, but it just seems like the mental component, I don't worry about it with this team. Right. In, in 2008, I mean, in addition to Ron Zook, there were good things about Ron Zook, but a good X's and O's coach, he was not. A yeah. good game day coach, yeah. he was not. Mm-hmm. I don't have those concerns with Brett Bielma. And then I also think that they have a pretty good handle on how do you keep that locker room all pulling in the same direction. And I think, too, last year, like the games that you had shortcomings and then ended up losing Michigan State, Purdue, those those are the two big ones because obviously what could have been. I think that might have been more of – Maybe your offense like slacking and not living up to expectations and doing and putting the foot to the uh, putting the 
gas all the way to the floor, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I yeah. think that was more so what cut off, cut, caught up with them and less like, hey, we're big, bad, and mighty. We don't need to play as well against Michigan State or we don't need to play as well against um, Purdue. I think it was more so, you know, you're going to have a few games where you play above like how good you are, a few games below, and then, you know, like six of the games or whatever are at what you should play at. And I think the Michigan game and then, I don't know, maybe like the – Minnesota was good, but you just really dominated them, even if the score didn't show it. So, like, Michigan, that game, a couple other games, right, you just dominated. And maybe and the Nebraska game yeah. was worrisome for the first quarter. Yeah. And then you just kind of quietly did your thing. You know, Lenny did mention something, and maybe Bielma said something similar this offseason, but, but Lenny in the interview tried not to say that, well, we lost our edge. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, and then he tried to walk it back a little bit almost like thinking, well, did we lose our edge or was it just a lack of focus? Whatever it was, I mean, if I'm as a fan feeling as high as I was at 7-1, and God knows I was, I mean, I was, I'd forgotten what it felt like to have a really good team. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, this is, I even said on the podcast, and damn it, like if a few bounces would have went the right way, I might have been right. But I yeah. said, they're going 11-1, they're going to Indy. <laughs> Not even 10-2. I said 11-1. They're a team of destiny now. Just lo- watch them play. They aren't yeah. losing another game. And, uh, you could have made the argument that, well, they actually, not that they were closer to 11 and 1, but it could have happened. It could have. More likely that than 5 and 7 or 6 mm-hmm. and 6 would have mm-hmm. been. So let's talk schedule. Yeah. What I did in the first podcast back was I broke it down to three quarters. So we're going to do three game chunks. Got it. Now, the first three games are pretty big. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and we'll talk about, uh, let's do this in two ways. Uh, let's do, uh, Instead of best case, worst case scenario, let's go with what is the reasonable prediction for those three game stretches. That is Toledo at home, 630 kick opening weekend. Then you have Kansas on the road Friday night, 630. So two straight prime time. And then Penn State the following week, big noon Saturday. Mm-hmm. In those three games, what record do you think is reasonable? Or let's, do we say likely or reasonable? I think if I have a hundred bucks I have to place, so I'd say you're going two and one. And then I that if I didn't even if I didn't have to bet on it, I would probably say two and one. Um I do think there's a path to you going one and two. There's there is. There, there there's is. I there's no way you go on three. Um, but I do think there's a possibility if you're still getting your stuff together. Nobody, there's not going to be national media being like, oh my gosh, Illinois, they had a great year last year and then they lost at Kansas and to Penn State, which a lot of people are high on Penn State this year. Sure. Um, I, You know what? I'm not as more because of the James Franklin effect. Yeah, he's got a ceiling, seems like. It seems like the yeah. nine and three, 10 and twos, which is great. Mm-hmm. But uh, despite all the five star kids he gets, I, I, they don't, obviously, this is not a crazy statement. They don't scare me like Michigan or Ohio State. Damn, you no. beat Michigan at Michigan. You mentioned two and one, and I agree with that. Yeah. And I also think, let's say hypothetically, you know, where does that loss come from? Well, of course, the likely answer is Penn State at home. But we also know that football is, and then under Brett Bielema, it's not been entirely predictable apart from one thing. They tend to play well after losses. Yeah. And when they lost three games in a row last year, it was especially shocking because after that Wisconsin game in 2021, you actually won every game after a loss yeah that's right up until that point so if you were to lose to a kansas i wouldn't necessarily go into that penn state game thinking yeah we're so screwed we're one and two yeah i would actually think you know what the heck 
Outfield, let's, yeah. Well, let's see how they respond because I wouldn't be surprised if they came out with an extra day of rest also. Uh, they came out incredibly focused the same way that they did after losing to Indiana. Now, Virginia last year, not Penn State. Mm-hmm. But you could tell that that team was not going to lose that game. There was It kind of galvanized them. I would like to think they don't need that early season loss to galvanize them. But I could also see them starting 2-0 with a fun win at Kansas. And then, you know, Penn State's, they're going to get, they're a top 10 team coming in this season, according to polls. I don't know if I buy that, but sure. 2-1, we'd both be happy with, right? Oh, yeah, especially if it's like a close loss to Penn State. I mean, if we would have beat Indiana last year, I, I think I would be more confident about beating Kansas this year. It just almost feels like There's deja a, vu. It's like not this again. Right, not right, exactly. Again. So, But I do think, kind of like what you're saying, if we somehow lose to Kansas, I feel weirdly better about beating Penn State. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I can't stop thinking, though, about like the Minnesota game last year at home. I know Penn State would be different, but just so electric, right? You're 7-1. and one. Uh, Tailgating was the best it was probably all year. That and the Michigan State game, but the Michigan State one obviously didn't go as well. But Because it's a, it's big noon kickoff against Penn State, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, just the atmosphere is going to be awesome. And yeah, I just really hope you beat Kansas because even if you lose to Penn State, you'll we'll at least have that awesome tailgate. Hopefully it's a beautiful, you know, like 70, 75 degrees. It's just, it's it's fun to think about and then how great you'd feel being three. That, that seems like that would be... I guess, granted, you beat Penn State a couple of years ago, but that year you didn't end up making a bowl game or anything. Bielman needs to, the more he stacks like these bigger wins that you need, uh, like the more he's going to cement his legacy and people are going to start to take, like, um, gravitate more towards Illinois. And I think that Penn State win would be the next the next step in, oh, that, in would, that direction. Oh, that yeah. would get so many. Anyone that's on the fence, and I understand going one and four at the end of last season. There's a reason you didn't sell 15,000 season tickets. Yeah. Now 10 is still pretty impressive, but you know, there's still that faction that is thinking, eh, yeah, I'll watch. I'll go to the Watts. I'll just stay in the Watts. Even some of my friends are still in that. Mm-hmm. He beat Penn State. Now you start, now you have a hot ticket in town. Two and one, let's go with that. Cause I actually do think that's realistic. Another thing I was thinking of is the Kansas game. There was this kind of Bielema revenge tour thing last year where mm-hmm. any team they lost to the year before, they performed really well against on the whole. Uh, Purdue being the exception there and the the glaring exception. But I wonder just the gamesmanship that Bielman does. I'm not worried about Toledo as far as the team being ready. They call the Mac champs. They're going into that game and they, I don't think they will take them lightly. Mm. I think they, and they know if they don't play well, they could lose to Toledo. The second game. Don't be shocked. If that Monday press conference, mm-hmm. Brett Bielman, one of the first things he says is, well, here we are. We're one and zero, just like last year. Friday night game for game two, just like last year. Yep. We know what happened in Bloomington. Yeah, watch him turn that Bloomington disappointment mm-hmm. into, oh, we we know what happened, and we, it's not going to happen again. And if they happen to capitalize on that going two and zero into Penn State, wow, two and one though we're feeling good no matter what. Second three games, Florida Atlantic at home. Yeah. Then you have, let's see, is it Nebraska? I believe. Yeah. No, there's that, one before that. I'm sorry. It's Florida Atlantic at home. Yeah. Purdue primetime on the road. That's right. The 30th. Ooh. Right. And then yeah. Nebraska for another Friday night game. That one's at home. I'm excited about Purdue. I think we're going to go. Um, I was talking about that with my parents. You're going to go to it. I think so, because I haven't as 
big of an Atlanta fan as I've been. I haven't been to that many away football games. Granted, until last year, why the heck would I drive? I haven't. It, it never tends to work. It's out so well. close. And oh, it's, it's, it's gonna, ninety minutes. Yeah, there's gonna be storylines. So I think I'm gonna go to that. I think you beat Florida Atlantic. Obviously, hopefully. Don't even really want to bring it up. I mean, you play them in football and basketball this year. Kind of interesting. That's right. The basketball one should be a little bit more dicey, but we'll save that for a few months down the road. Uh, you should beat Purdue, right? I mean, if there was no storylines there and I was just looking at it like on paper, Hudson Card, I mean, he's he's solid. There's a reason he got beat, beat out at Texas. And Is he as dynamic as the first two And he's not surrounded by the amount of athletes that Texas has either, so... I'm more worried, and just in this day and age, I'm more worried about mobile quarterbacks, even with our good, even with our guys that I think can contain them. Hudson Card is more of a pro style, I believe. More of a drop back. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, more yeah. he's more of a guy that like can can run, but he's going to pick you up from the pocket. And then you we said Nebraska, Nebraska's October seventh or whatever. I, I 6th. think this is where I think if you start two and one, yeah, you're starting five and one. I definitely think you can. I mean, Nebraska, you get them at home this year. Yeah. I'd be I'd be a little more concerned if it's Matt Rule's first year. You get an yeah. energetic home crowd, and I was just happy. To, even with that bad Nebraska team last year, I was just happy to get out of there with the win. I just think that schedule sets up with two two home games that I would be very surprised if they lost to Florida Atlantic or Nebraska. Yeah, and then yeah, road game against Purdue on on the the first time you see that, your natural reaction is oh god, really like right, right. of course it's the primetime game, the narrative, revenge game. Are you kidding me? I mean yeah. that, that team. I gotta think for two re- twofold. One, their former defensive coordinator, and that one might make it tricky. And I could see a first quarter at Purdue mm-hmm. being really ugly mm-hmm. as the team kind of reconciles their emotions. Their former coaches over there on the sideline. But the other part of me says, okay, you've lost two years for these veterans two years in a row. Purdue kept you out of a bowl game, you could argue, yep, two years yep, ago, yep. and they kept you out of Indy last year. I I can't see. If you're in that locker room, you can't lose that game. No. They're going to circle that game more than any other on that schedule, I bet. Yeah, probably so. At least outwardly. In their minds, they're going to be most excited for Penn State, I'm sure. Yeah. But Purdue, that's the one they haven't slayed yet. They already beat Penn State two years ago. Yeah. And I'm sure Bielma, it might be obvious. I don't think he would go out. He wouldn't say anything that would become like bulletin board material. But I'm sure like in, you know, in-house and stuff, he's got some good things to say not or good things to say to motivate a team that got beat by Purdue the past couple of years and then the defensive coordinator left for Purdue that game that game I'm more I guess I I feel like we're gonna win I'm more fearful for it because you think about like oh crap if we lost at Purdue like that would suck it versus, would suck so much versus, I, yeah like at Can- I don't want to do that at Kansas I mean yeah that would suck be annoying. I understand it Penn State I understand it Nebraska again like I've heard I've heard you say people always assume that first year things are going to work out, but I don't think Nebraska's got a bunch of new guys, got some transfers and stuff. I think that's a game Bielma should take care of at home. Mm-hmm. I like the second three games obviously a lot more than the it's first nice three games. So hopefully it's more of like what you said. You feel good at the beginning, you know. This is just building momentum, you know. Games four, five, and six, and less of like crap. You start off one and two. You got to get those three games back. Um, which I, I feel more confident about now after last year. Um, you played so well. October was your best football, so hopefully October 
picks things up and then going into seven, eight, nine, you're, you're feeling, feeling pretty good. Thing is seven, eight, nine is I think that yeah. this will tell yeah. the tale. And I don't want to say tell the tale. You can really by starting five and one. And I don't think that's ridiculous Mm-mm. to think that could happen. Mm-mm. If you want to go four and two and factor in another loss, that's totally fine. And you're still in a good spot. Three and three. I think you start sweating a little bit because seven, eight, nine at, mm, oh yeah. At Maryland's yep. the first one. We are, I'm going to let you know right now. We're losing that game. It's just <laughs> one of those you look yeah. at and you think, I don't know much. I know they got a good quarterback. Yeah. Mike Loxley's okay. They win seven games a year there. You weren't winning it. It just that's, screams to me, lost. That's one of those teams, like, since we don't play them that much and, like, they're a basketball school and they're in the East, I almost forget that they play football in the Big Ten. I know. you don't I play know. them and it's just their field is like, eh. And the and, funky end zones. With yeah. The, you lose the do we do we agree in a weird way that we lose that game? So then you'd be what five and three, five and or two, five and two. If you, if I just think every season has a ugh, that's a stupid loss, and the Maryland one, which would not even be a bad loss, they'll probably be favored. People are high on them, yeah, yeah. They're they're picked fourth high. in the Big Ten East. Yeah, I would say that's probably a loss. Then you come home against Wisconsin, and then you go on the road to Minnesota. I think the home game against Wisconsin is the win- most winnable game in that three game stretch. Yeah, that's huge. Despite our success against Minnesota, yeah. I, I think it's okay, as I sit here and try to be fair and not two rose-colored glasses, I think one and two in that stretch. Yeah, and I, I'm totally okay. I say I'm okay with it. Like, maybe ask me after uh, the Minnesota game, but I'm, I'm okay with it if you lose competitively and it's not like the offense scores three points and yeah. you can't do anything or something super frustrating like that. So, yeah, I would agree. I'm okay with that. Then you're, what, six and three? Now, you could go three and oh. Yeah, you could go eight three. and one. That yeah. three game stretch to me has the most variance. If you get to a bowl game, I don't really care. Like, if you got to six and three, but you didn't, you went one and two in that stretch. Like, I'm totally fine. Well, because then um, you you end with this. This is where the last three, yeah, the, the 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 second three and the final three set you up really well. Indiana at home. Yeah, you'd think they're terrible. Yeah, that should be Sorry. automatic. Yeah, at Iowa. Okay, now we sit here, and I understand the inclination to say you aren't going to win that game, but I think mm-hmm. the key for me is not about winning or losing that game, at least not at the moment. It's being in a position to make that game matter, and I think mm-hmm. we very well could be in that. So I like Indiana the week before at Iowa, and then you close with David Braun's uh, <laughs> Western yeah. team. Hopefully it's not. Uh, like, I hope that's like not terrible weather and raining obviously even though it always feels like it is so you can yeah you could at least get some people out there there's been some decent thanksgiving weekends yeah yeah was last week or was last year against north last year was fine i mean i recall last year that was the ohio state michigan that's right and i was doing yard work and it was like 45 and sunny it was was pretty good and then uh watching the indiana purdue game thinking come on and of course indiana's mobile quarterback went down yeah he was their one shot but So we not basically it was this random guy they put in that just was running up and down the field, and then he couldn't throw worth a lick. But he was a mobile quarterback that gave them the spark, and then he got hurt. And I don't know if he's going to be their guy this year I or not. Think, but. Yeah, I remember being mad because I just assumed that Indiana had no chance, so I like turned it off or something. And they took a lead at one point. Yes, I thought, oh that's boy, right. oh boy, that's right. Uh, but okay, so as we as we calculate all that, if yeah. we say two and one, and then three and zero. Oh, and then one and two and two and one. And here's the thing. Of course, results may vary, and there's going to be things we can't predict. And that's, I mean, last year we would not have predicted. I think I might have said seven and five. I said seven and five. 
eight and four wouldn't have shocked me, but the path to eight and four would have shocked me. Yes, hundred percent. So with that in mind, I keep coming back to eight and four. Yeah. And I would be ecstatic. Oh my gosh! Yeah. With eight and four, I don't need. Here's the thing, I don't need Indy in the same way that two years ago, I I needed them to win a Big Ten title. All year we were just pleased for the love of God win the title. Yeah. And when they did, it was half relief and half jubilation. It was both. I don't need. I truly don't need Indy. And now, if we start six and zero, I'm singing a different tune. We damn yeah. well better make Indy. Yeah. But I, as I sit here today, I, I just want a good team that wins seven, eight games a year. I'm still in that mindset. I think competitive is the most important thing. I'm not. I'm. There was nothing worse than just getting whooped every game. You know, like most of my life. I don't know if we have to worry about that. I no, mean, I, I think that is one page we may have been. We could safely say we've probably turned since since the Wisconsin game two years ago. There's been a couple. Yeah, there's really only been a couple games since Bielma's been here that have been Virginia like Virginia and so, Wisconsin. Right? Yeah, I would say go. I would be disappointed with five and seven. Go six and six. You're competitive in the six losses. You go to some random bowl game. I'm fine because Pinstripe bowl. Yeah, it's about stacking bowls, right? And it's it about is. just stacking. It is prime time you know people are getting together for the holidays and illinois is playing boston college or it something matters. like it, it does so and if you go five and seven you just take yourself for another 12 months out of any sort of spotlight or you know community like you're gonna if you go less than six and six you're gonna lose probably a majority of the people that jumped on the train last year so i think going six and six is the floor like that's what you have to do to keep this thing going um i think seven and five is most likely gonna happen and if luke altmeyer's what we hope he is i think eight and four is definitely a possibility i don't see just with the amount of guys you're losing you know it's so hard to say that you're gonna um, beat your win total from last year, and because the schedule is is, I mean, it's the Big Ten West. It's it's not that difficult. Speaking but, of which, yeah. who's winning the Big Ten West? It's it's crazy because everybody thinks it's gonna be Wisconsin or Iowa, right? I don't um, think it's gonna be Wisconsin. I don't. Yeah, and like was no, exactly. Wisconsin, like they lost a lot. They have a lot of guys coming in, but Luke Fickle will do well up there. But it's it's not something where he inherited an absolute treasure trove of talent. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that was a long time coming for Wisconsin. They yeah. were able to coast on good line play for a while, and I, I just don't know. He brought in a lot, certainly a quarterback, especially. But I, I don't see that being some immediate ten and two reclamation project. I think it's going to be Iowa. I think because they almost were able to win it last year with the worst offense anybody's ever seen, and now they've got McNamara and a couple other pieces they picked up that dude i think brown or something the wide receiver from ohio state like they can't be worse right their offense you can, wouldn't think their offense can only go in the forward direction and their offense will not be worse. yeah and now. their defense is supposed to be pretty much just as good maybe drop off a little bit i mean they lost jack campbell and um a couple other guys but that i i would give it that's just a safe pick because it's you a know, safe pick yeah. but it but with reasons behind it yes so who would be your second favorite then and this uh, is where I start thinking, oh. Yeah. Man. I mean, Minnesota Minnesota's not fun to pick. I know they've got they've got they lost Ibrahim. They've got some guys coming back just from what I remember listening to when Jeremy interviewed the uh, Minnesota reporter, but that's where it would be juicy to put Illinois right there. I mean, yes, there's a far chance they could win it and but everybody this year is going to say, you know, like this has to be our year to win the West because the West is not going to exist anymore. That, that's so, true. That's going to be on everyone's um, mind. I do think if if the cards fall 
I do think you can end up in Indy, but then I do think there's a possibility. I think your floor would be fourth, maybe fifth. Like I don't know who else would who Nebraska would take or Purdue, but yeah. I, I Purdue has a lot to replace. Yeah, Walters may work well as a head coach. I, I, he's going to have a long career, a successful career in football. But mm-hmm. this being his first gig in his first year, and I don't want to sleep on how good Jeff Brom was because I really do think that he yeah. was a very good, especially coach. offensively. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Uh, well. We would be happy with seven and five. Yes, hundred. We'd be even happier with eight and four. We don't yeah. need more than eight and four. Mm-hmm. But if we did, then we go from very happy to ecstatic. Hundred percent. And if we have to book another flight for Florida, so be it. It did. I would be so we we had the rough first year of being rough. Like you still won a couple of big games, five and seven. Then last year was obviously a ton of fun, but nothing that made you think they were going to have a great year too. No, yeah. But the way the year ended, I would say put a little damper on the offseason. So I would be very happy going 7-5 and five if you end up 3-0 and oh, like in the last stretch or something and then you win the bowl game. Whatever, Feel some maybe. momentum. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you, if you finish 8-5 and five yes. after a 7-5 and five regular season, but yeah. you finish strong and you win the bowl game, yeah, that actually does have a different kind of glow because you think, wow, they did all that despite losing the number 5 pick and yep. three of their secondary, new yep. quarterback... That, I think, would tell a lot of people this thing has sustained potential. I just think the community, like, I've only lived here in Champaign now for a few years, but just working for the university last year and, like, the hype and you could just feel it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that, uh, when you beat Minnesota, especially, and you're 7-1. One, one. one of the best, day, I know this sounds ridiculous, <laughs> it was one of the best days of my life. It was awesome. I mean, it was it, homecoming tailgates are always big for yep. me and my group of friends and my family and all that. We had the biggest group of the year. It was perfect weather. Yep, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A golden fall day. Yep. And after we went down, you actually stopped by and said I hi. ran into you. That's right. Right after yeah, we were trailing. Right. And then, uh-huh. good luck token, we just ran mm-hmm. it the rest of the way and just smoked him. That, truly, yeah. and that, that I think speaks to, and you, you know this, a good football team, it makes, it just enhances the fall, which is already oh, the best yeah. time of year anyways. Oh, yeah. I love football even yep. when my teams suck, but when they're good, mm-hmm. I can't – the weeks go by, and all week long I'm thinking about yeah. the next game, the next tailgate. Right. Yeah. It makes your Sundays better and makes the rest of the week you're just – you got the nice weather outside, and, and it, the leaves are falling. It's making you think about how you were tailgating, this and this mm-hmm. and that. So Chill in the morning. Yeah. it's it's. Hey, ex- you'll be able to tailgate this year. I too. know. I'm hey. pumped. We yeah. got, what, like th- – 30 days, a little bit less. I mean, it's three something. weeks from Saturday. Yeah. So you're looking at 20, from when we record this, you're looking at 26 days, 25. Last, I'll ask you a question to end it here. How mm-hmm. many years away do we have to get? Because it, like, yeah, be almost built up my trust and I feel a lot better, but like, it really wouldn't take that much for me to go backwards and be like, ah, crap, I don't trust anything. In I Illinois. get it. Like, we're going to lose. Like, how many years do you need to see it before you're like, ah, oh, maybe we do lose to Toledo in the first game of the year? You know what I mean? Meaning, how many years would that have to happen for me to be okay with that? No, how many years in a row would that have to happen where you wouldn't even be thinking going into week one that oh, we I might see. lose to Toledo? Uh, I'm Honestly, for me, to basically, you're asking to get to a level of comfort – where I'm not worried about the rug being pulled out from under me. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Two more years. Yeah. And not much. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing: if they win seven or eight this year, 
And this is what would be interesting if they would have won six or seven that first year. Because now we're thinking, right, you're talking three straight bowl games in three years here, but two out of three ain't bad. Two in a row is really good. And if they were to do that again, you know, just follow it up. And to the point where one day I'd love to look back in a media guide, and I remember doing this with football and seeing, man, John Makovic, all that guy did was make bowl games, and he won one Big Ten title. Yeah, One Big Ten title in four years, that's really good. Um, eight, nine wins. And then he went to Texas. And I, I was like, God, I just want to make bowl games. That's really it. And to get to the level where our disappointment becomes ugh, six and six, we're going to freaking, not Detroit even, but you know, whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, I, I do think that I only probably need, if they have a good year this year and a good year next year, I, I'm not worried about anything. And, yeah. and the, the thing is, I don't know if I would get to a point, and it'd be a great question to ask me five years if we ever get to this really high level, but I don't think I'll get to a point where I'd be disappointed with eight wins. No. To me, the, to me, the football thing never needs, I never need to talk about college football playoff or national championship. Mm-hmm. I don't need banners like I do with basketball. Mm-hmm. For me, the experiential thing of the home tailgates and the friends and the family and the communal aspect of being in Memorial Stadium, which is still one of the, my favorite places yeah. to be, uh, I, I just need them to be good. That's that's really it. Just yeah. be good. I like that. That like kind of you know, it's just like Iowa, Wisconsin. They were constantly eight nine wins, and then occasionally they would host number five Penn State at home and beat them. And it's just you know like this electric. Knowing like, that's you, what we yes. need right there. Knowing yeah. you have the occasional mm-hmm. big moments, mm-hmm. and I will say that well, the reason that Penn State game is particularly interesting is as fun as Iowa was last year, yeah. and as fun as Minnesota was last year. I don't think either of those teams were ranked at the time. I don't think so, no. So when it comes to the big marquee home win that yep. really establishes a program, I know Bieleman, as hard of hearts, is thinking, okay, if we can start 2-0, that Penn State game can be big for yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. And uh, he, he's going to try to downplay with his players so they don't get – there. there is such a thing as being too excited. 100%. And I could see that, but – it's nice to, I mean, look at us. We always run long, and that's okay. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but would we have done that two years ago with the first beat? Oh, later? no, yeah. It's the excitement. It's bubbling. Yeah. I appreciate your time, man. Awesome. Good to see you. You're back. I know. It's, it's so great. good to be back and talking Illinois, and especially good because we're excited. That's right. Got a few weeks left. So, uh, yeah. Before we go, quick sponsors, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices and custom calzones, any toppings you want, that's dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We also have Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, 217-841-4728. Schedule your furnace check for the fall. Coming up soon, that's 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders, online at owenbuildersllc.com for your home additions, porches, decks. Go online to owenbuildersllc.com to check out their gallery of all the projects they can do for your home. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, Isaac Ambrose. Back in the flesh, in the studio. Uh, We'll do some more of these as the season goes on here, and we will be back next week. So in the meantime, take care, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level. Level.